Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a few moments to be with us as we take a look at the book. I recently did this series on Jerusalem, past, present, and prophetic. Now, we're going to take just a moment to give you a sample of this study. It's a five-part, five-hour audio series that is available on CD, and I'll tell you how you can get your copy of the CD in just a moment. But if you will, would you stop now and listen to this particular portion of the study, Jerusalem, past, present, and prophetic. Chapter 17 is talking about, and let me give a title to it, Ecclesiastical Babylon. It is talking about a false religion that comes to power. And this false religion, look at verse 5, and upon her forehead, this is talking about a whore. That word whore is used three times in chapter 17. The word woman is used six times. Nine times it is talking about an unvirtuous woman talking about that individual who is symbolic of the opposite of what we are. Chapter 19 talks about us being married to Jesus Christ. Our righteous acts are our wedding gown, and the marriage ceremony takes place. That is soon after the rapture of the church. And then we have the seven years of the marriage supper of the Lamb, just as in a Jewish wedding, which has seven days of celebration. After, remember John chapter 2? Jesus, on the third day of the celebration, arrived at Cana of Galilee. Every Jewish wedding has a seven-day celebration after the ceremony. And thus, Jesus then will apply that principle to the seven-year celebration in the heavenlies during the tribulation of the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is talked about in Revelation chapter 19. But what is it that we are then to Christ if we're married to him? We are the bride of Christ, the Bible tells us in Corinthians and Revelation. And what is a bride of Christ like? Well, first of all, we wear white robes which have been made clean by his blood. And then these white robes, the text tells us in chapter 19, are our righteous acts in serving him. And the righteous acts are determined at the judgment seat of Christ right after the rapture of the church. And then we come forward to be married with Jesus Christ in a white gown. Why white? It depicts purity. It depicts our virginity. It protects our virtue to him. What is the opposite of a pure, virtuous, virgin bride coming to be married at the altar? A whore. And that's what chapter 17 is talking about. Now notice on the forehead of this whore, what it says, and upon her forehead was a name written, and the word mystery is probably not in the title. It's probably describing what this is. Look here, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. It's talking about Babylon. I mentioned the title of chapter 17, Ecclesiastical Babylon. Why did I say that terminology? Because Babylon was the birthplace of the false religion which Antichrist will appropriate to lead the world in the first three and a half years. You know what happened, don't you? Remember the book of Genesis chapter 11, verse 4? Uh, What did they say? What did Nimrod and his people who had built a great city there at Babylon say? And let us build us a tower whose top may reach into heaven. Honey, that's the last place they wanted to go was heaven. 
But they wanted to build a tower. That's symbolic of religion. And then it said, let us make us a name. That doesn't mean we want to be the most popular. That means we don't like the name Jehovah God. So let's choose another name. How about Marduk, the Babylonian God? Lest we be scattered upon the face of the earth. That was the command God gave them. In the face of God, they wanted to reverse it. And so Nimrod establishes a one world religion, a prototype for the end times at Babylon 4,500 years ago. You know, Nimrod had a wife, don't you? Her name was Semiramis. And Semiramis and, and uh, Nimrod had a son. His name was Tammuz. Both of these are mentioned in the Bible. Semiramis, not by name, but by title. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and chapter 44, it mentions the title of Semiramis. You know what her title was? Queen of Heaven. Queen of Heaven. Her title. And God said to Jeremiah, don't even pray for the people that follow her. You know how they worship the Queen of Heaven? They made hot cross buns on a special holy day called Ishtar. They made hard-boiled eggs, and they painted them in colors, and they laid them out in the field and gave the children a little basket to go out and try to find the eggs on Ishtar. God said, that's satanic. Sound familiar? Uh, It was a mother-son cult that was established. Who's the son? Tammuz. He's mentioned in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 8. You know what happens in Ezekiel 8? God brings Ezekiel back from the Babylonian captivity into Jerusalem. They walk into the temple. On the walls of the temple, idolatrous pictures of all type. And he looks up and Ezekiel sees a convent of virgins worshiping Tammuz. The son of the mother-son cult established at Babylon 4,500 years ago. In 539 B.C., the Babylonian Empire fell. The mother-son cult changed its headquarters. Know where it changed its headquarters to? Pergamos. Pergamos. One of those seven churches in Asia Minor in the time of John the Apostle. Pergamos. You know what happened at Pergamos? Judy and I were just recently at Pergamos. We did some television programs for Day of Discovery. At Pergamos. That's where they started to deify the Roman emperors. Well, they had a political title. Their political title was Caesar. But they deified them. They made them gods. I could take you to Pergamos right now. The remains of some of those statues of those Roman emperors has their title for their religious leadership responsibilities. At the bottom, it's engraved on the statue. You know what that title was? Pontifus Maximus. And that was too long, so they shortened it to pontiff. And that was too long, so they shortened it to pope. And they wore scarlet and purple-colored outfits with fish-shaped hats. And they had a convent of virgins. And they carried a chalice. This is 539 B.C. They carried a chalice full of blood. They carried a cross made out of diamonds and pearls. 539 B.C. That continued on to 476 BC, uh, AD, 76 AD, when the Roman Empire fell. And at that point in time, this false religiosity in Pergamos moved to Rome and established the one world 
mother-son cult. Now you pay attention to me. This is being recorded. And I have never used the C word. I cannot exegete scripture and say the word Catholic. All I can teach you is what the book says. And the book says in the last days there will be a mother-son cult with their leaders wearing scarlet and purple outfits, fish-shaped hats, crosses with diamonds and pearls in them, a chalice full of blood, and it'll be headquartered in the city of Rome. I have a little saying from down south, maybe you've heard it. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, looks like a duck, it must be a duck. That's all I'll say about that. Have you got chapter 17? Let me show you how it's going to be noted that it's going to be living in Rome. Up here it describes the great whore, verse 1, that sitteth upon many waters. The many waters. You want to see what the many waters is? Look at verse 15. Apocalyptic literature will define itself. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. When you see that phrase, it's basically talking about the Gentiles. Now I go back to verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitteth upon a scarlet-colored beast. There's the false church with scarlet colors, full of names of blasphemy. Notice this, and having seven heads and ten horns. The ten horns in verse 12 would be defined as those ten horns in Daniel chapter 7, which is the revived Roman Empire. But look at the seven heads. Look at verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains upon which the woman sitteth. And I can tell you this, the Catholic Encyclopedia says that the seven mountain city of Revelation chapter 17 verse 9 is the city of Rome. And I'll commit to you that I believe it's the city of Rome as well. And in Rome, this mother-son cult established 4,500 years ago in the city of Babylon by Nimrod, his wife, Semiramis, their son, Tammuz, the objects of worship in the mother-son cult shall come to power. What happens at the end of three and a half years? Look at verse 16. At the end of three and a half years... These ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, that would be the revived Roman Empire, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. They're going to destroy at the end of three and a half years, the false church will be destroyed. By the way, this has nothing to do with Islam. Islam is destroyed before this church is set up. Islam will not be a part of this false church. Islam is an exclusive religiosity. The Bible says after the rapture of the church, the nations gather to destroy Israel. They are led by the Islamic mighty militia of Joel chapter 2 and verse 3. They come to Israel. They try to destroy Israel. Ezekiel 39.2 says that five-sixths of every one of those are destroyed. And so the Islamic world, except for Iraq and the Palestinians will be destroyed before this church comes to its full power. Because Islam will not join with any other religion. It's an exclusive religion. You're either a Muslim or you're a dead person. One or the other. And that is in the process of coming to pass. We better wake up. Islam is a satanic religion. 
No coexistence. You say, man, you're getting pretty bold. No, I'm just quoting the Bible. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, anybody who says that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God in the living flesh is an antichrist. And Allah says he never had a son. My Jesus is the Son of God. Anybody that denies that's an antichrist. So I'll say again, Islam is a satanic religion. There is no coexistence. And it's wiped out. It's basic powers before the false church is set up. And then at the midway point, the revived Roman Empire, I would say the European Union destroys this false religion. Look at verse 17, a very interesting point here. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast. God uses world leaders to accomplish his will. And then give the power to the beast, the Antichrist. Look at chapter 18, verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. And having great powers in the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, Babylon the great is fallen. Babylon is fallen. Thank you very much for joining us for a look at the book, Jerusalem Past, Present, and prophetic. Jerusalem is the center of the earth. Jerusalem is the city that God has chosen to dwell among his people forever. Jerusalem is the location where you and I will rule and reign with Jesus Christ throughout eternity future. You need to study about Jerusalem past, present, and prophetic. If you'd like to get your copy of this five-part, five-hour audio series on CD, you can call our toll-free number. It's 8-PROPHECY-8. That's trans translated into 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com. Either go to our website or call us right now and order your copy of the five-part, five-hour audio series on CD entitled Jerusalem, Past, Present, and Prophetic. I have to warn you, if you get this series on study Bible prophecy, you'll be aware of the fact that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. In fact, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until.